The Quiet Carriage, the show about books and their authors, with your host, Paul J. Laverty, and sponsored by Castlemaine's signature bookstore, Stoneman's Book Room. Broadcast on 94.9 Main FM and across the nation on the Community Radio Network. All aboard. Hello there, listeners, and welcome to The Quiet Carriage. And today, my guest is Ennis Chehich, someone we had on the show a couple of years ago, and they're back on. Uh, Ennis has finished his debut collection called Sadvertising, and it's out now via Penguin, and he's going to be joining us very shortly on the phone via his new home in Bosnia. Uh, First off, let me read to you a little bit about the collection, Sadvertising, an electrifying debut collection of short stories from the Freebrill imagination of a young writer who traverses culture, genre, and form. A man grows tired of his open-plan office and builds a fort made of stationery. A woman's euphoria finally achieving desktop zero is quickly replaced with despair. A group of copywriters dream of being poets and a disillusioned sales executive overthinks his think piece. In the mind-bendingly upside-down world of advertising, iPhones have feelings, brands come to life, creative directors disappear into parallel universes, and lowly freelancers become immortal. It's a world where gods, ghosts, and muses stalk the corridors of bland and placeless offices, and the wondrous exists alongside the mundane. Short Punchy and direct, Ennis Chehich's satirical fables are box-fresh and shot through with pitch-black humour, existential dread, and late capitalist yearning for meaning. They grapple with love and loneliness, art and commerce, dream and reality, and reflect the absurdity of the modern condition. Sabotizing is a surreal, subversive, and utterly contemporary literary debut from an unforgettable new voice. And here's a bit about the author. Ennis Chehich is a writer whose work focuses on ideas of displacement, creativity, and existentialism. His writing includes essays, fiction, and memoir, and has been published in a variety of literary journals and publications, including Minjin, Assembly Papers, Going Down Swinging, and others. In 2018, Ennis was selected as an inaugural recipient of the Wheeler Center's Next Chapter Writers' Scheme by judges Christos Cholkis, Benjamin Law, Maxime Beniba clark and Ellen Van Nieven. He was mentored by Nam Lee. He is the author of New Metonyms, a literary photography book about his homeland, Bosnia and Herzegovina, released with photographer Shantu Starek in 2020. Since 2007, Ennis has been working in the advertising industry as a copywriter, brand strategist, and creative director. He lives and works between Melbourne and Sarajevo. And here is Ennis on the phone right now. Ennis Chech, it's so great to have you on, back on the show, all the way from Bosnia these days, I believe. Hello. (laughs) Thanks for having me again. Oh, it's my pleasure. We spoke to you a while back now, shortly after you were a recipient of the, the next chapter, which is uh, run by the Wheeler Center. It's like a paid mentorship. That's right, yeah? Yeah, that's right. I think we, um, I had just come back from like a 
twelve month period of writing a manuscript. Yeah. And, um, and I came and had a chat to you. It was that's right. Just prior to the pandemic, I think it might have been like December twenty nineteen. Jeez, yeah, before the pandemic, yeah, I can barely remember that. And this yeah, it's a different world. This is the book that you you've come out of that with Sadvertising. Absolutely massive congratulations. Uh, I think it means, well, it obviously doesn't mean as much to me as it does you, but it does mean a lot to me because, you know, uh, you know, going leading on from that last interview we had, we're, we're old friends, old uni friends, we're old writing buddies. And to see you in print via Penguin and, and knowing what it took and knowing what it takes to get there, it just, it warms my heart no end. So huge congratulations. And I, and I absolutely loved it, by the way. I really did. Okay. You know, I, I was actually, I was really hoping you'd like it. Oh. <laughs> I was like, if you like it, this it, is going to break my heart. No, no, it's really bizarre, but at the same time, really quite touching and poignant. And it's funny, but at the same time, there's a, yeah. there's a lot of, there's a hint of sadness there. But I, I think overall, it's a real calling card for your voice, your, your other unique voice. I mean, you managed to somehow entwine stories about Epicurus with Siri, with uh, the gorilla from Cadbury, uh, Jay-Z <laughs> makes an appearance, Kendall Jenner, and there's obviously uh, a little bit about tea in there as well, which, you know, obviously I, I quite I quite resonated with me. And, uh, you know, your, your style, I find it, it's, it's really, really straight to the point now. I really enjoyed it. And also, you've cut out all the smoking. There was like one cigarette. In your entire in, in your entire book, <laughs> it's a really good point. <laughs> well, I just remember from back in the day there was a lot of smoking going on, and uh, well, you don't it smoke anymore, do you? No, I don't yeah, actually. Oh, quit. Well, there you I, go. I, but I actually quit after I wrote the book. Yeah, so, right. um, and I was actually—it's good that you. It's funny you mention that because I, I was actually very, very conscious of trying not to make the characters smoke too much. Yeah, I think right. One of active smokers in um in the book yeah but no i was actually conscious of that I, <laughs> I wanted to eliminate it i think that was almost like my my mental preparation for quitting like yeah. maybe if i move it from from the stories that i write um were previously prior to advertising every character i had was serious smoker yeah yeah, yeah. interesting way of, of observing um an act a personal act yeah. Well, you know, enough about what I think about it. What What do you think about it? Are you, are you happy with the way it's turned out? I'm ecstatic. Um, I'm really happy. That's I so think I'm... Um, I mean, like you said, the last time we spoke, I came from, I came from this kind of really peak period of creativity. I had, I had like a year, year and a half, two years of, of where I just... I went a little bit ballistic. I was just constantly writing. Everything was pouring out of me. And I, I, I figured out the voice of advertising. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the reason why I was able to write it in such a kind of uniform way mm -hmm. with like keep like a level of concentration. Um, and that was, that was a really a true kind of point for me because I, I was able to, really figure out the sarcastic voice that I needed to hmm. use for the book. 
Um, and then every story just became easier to write. Mm-hmm. And I remember all of those things that we used to talk about, you know, back in the day, you know, like, how do you get to voice? How do you get to that? Mm. What happens first? You know, like if somehow for advertising, I needed to have the voice in my head to write the book. Everything yeah. else kind of worked itself out. Yeah. And I'm also, you know, I'm not a, I'm a writer who the story comes to me on the page. Mm-hmm. I never really have any planning. I have a general idea. I have a premise and it's usually just the first line. So most of this first line that you see highlighted in the book, for example, that's pretty much how every story started. I just had this thought, yeah. you know, it was almost like a concept. It was almost like, like an advertising campaign, you know, that's kind of how I was thinking. And then I just had to sit down and make it up and mm-hmm. like kind of make it up on the spot, um, which, which I kind of, that, that's the, that is the way it worked for me. But, mm-hmm. um, but to answer your question directly, I'm, I'm really happy with the way it's come together. I mean, I had, I had a lot more stories. I cut back probably about 20. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, you. I, yeah. um, I kind of wanted to have, you know, at the beginning when I started writing advertising, I was like, ah, oh, maybe I'll just have like 33 stories and make it all about like, you know, the, you know, Jesus's age. It was very egotistical. But, um, but yeah, I, I think I, I had to cut it down. I had to make sure that the, book had the right stories yeah. and, and the ones that I removed, I'm actually really happy I removed because they weren't as tight. Uh, they weren't, uh, in the explored cliches and, um, yeah, I feel like I made the right choice with the, with the ones that I chose for the book. Yeah. And did some of them come to you fully formed before you got them on the page? Yeah. Yeah. Some of them truly did. Um, you know, a lot of the times, like, I mean, like I said, like, you know, there's a story they're called Ditto, um, yeah. which is really about, you know, immortality. Mm-hmm. But I'm always like, my thought is always like, you need to distort reality slightly to get to the absurd. Yeah. And my whole thing with that, okay, what I want to do with advertising is just like push it to the most absurd conclusion. Mm-hmm. Like, so, you know, and, and sometimes there's just a small tweak, like, you know, and then, then you get to the absurd. So I kind of thought like, ah, oh, What's an interesting way of making somebody mortal? What about if you take away his curiosity? Yeah. And like, and that's the premise. And then it's like trying to figure out how to do it. You know, who the character is. Yeah. Is he a little bit older? Is he younger? Male, female, there, whatever. Um, and then, yeah. And then, yeah. So some of them come kind of fully formed in my head, but just as a concept, never as a plot. Yeah. Sort of saying like, I, the plot comes to me on the page. You are listening to The Quiet Carriage on 94.9 Main FM and the Community Radio Network. And now we return to my chat with the author Ennis Chehich, uh, discussing his new collection, Sadvertising, out now via Penguin. For our readers who aren't familiar with your work, are you, could you read us one of the stories from the collection? I most certainly can. Brilliant. Let me pick one. Um, right, I'm going to read a story called Click Here. All right, this story is called Click Here, mm-hmm. and it's page one and two, it's advertising. It's all about action. That's what Zach was told when he started as a junior copywriter. The writing had to make people do something. That's what advertising was, persuasion. The more immediate, the better. 
After spending a year running banner ads, Zach was disillusioned. No one was clicking on him. His copywriting wasn't making people do anything. He felt he wasn't cut out for advertising, but all his colleagues told him not to worry. No one ever clicks on banner ads, they said. It was just about awareness. They gave him stats to make him feel better. Zach wasn't convinced. He thought there must be a way to get people to click on banner ads. To test his theory, he created a campaign for his uncle's lawn mowing company. Instead of showing sunny front lawns, blades silently slashing through glass like butter with huge red call to action stickers, he did the opposite. He created banner ads that depicted the mice of suburban aesthetics. Sparse blends of grass, clover and weeds interspersed with sad, bold patches and backyards. Instead of inspirational, product-specific one-liners, he wrote about the anxiety men experience were trying to maintain an impeccable bed of grass. It was touchingly miserable and in complete contrast to anything Zach had ever been taught. When the banner ads went live, they made people brood and contemplate their own existences. He didn't expect the internet to listen, but it did. Suddenly, everyone was clicking on the banner ads for his uncle's lawn mowing company. Within a year, they became the most effective banner ads of all time. They dumbfounded the industry and disrupted statistics. So much so that his uncle's lawn mowing company grew from being a small suburban business to a national conglomerate. Stack was eventually awarded the best banner ad writer of all time by the British Advertising and Design Association, DNAD. Till this day, much like Bob Dylan, he doesn't like to talk about the accolade all that much, if at all. What's that? That is, we're talking to Ennis Church there. He is reading from his book, Sadvertising, uh, no, via Penguin. Thank you so much for that. Uh, the last time we spoke to you, two and a half years ago, we think it was, back then, uh, you know, you'd just been accepted. I think you were about halfway through the Wheeler Center program and you were working with Nam Lee, uh, quite an accomplished, well, he's mainly known for short story writing, isn't he, for the boat. And he, he was your he was your mentor. Um, yes. So, firstly, how important was the Wheeler program and that mentorship to you in getting this out as a as a finished product? I, it was immensely important. I think it's. I I really I truly think of the next chapter as as the kind of beginning of my literary career. Mm -hmm. I think prior to that, you know, everything has been. You know, I was a working writer. I was dabbling. I didn't really have, how to say, you know, as Americans say, I was a salary man. You know, I, I kind mm -hmm. of, I wrote before I went to work and after work and weekends. And, and that just becomes increasingly difficult. And I needed to take writing really seriously. I, you know, I, I kind of didn't want to let go of that dream of wanting to be a writer and, and need to figure out a way to, to make the time worthwhile and, and, and to make the difficulty worthwhile. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, becoming a recipient of the, of the award was a kind of validation for me. It was like, you know, I had to kind of tell myself, okay, if you get this, that's it, Ennis. You got to come work full time anymore. And I was like, okay, I made that commitment mm -hmm. and I got it. And I was like, okay, if you get an Emily, that's it. You're not going to work for a year. Like you're mm -hmm. just going to, you're going to go out on the cheap and you're just going to write a book. And, um, and that's what I did. I kind of gave myself like little ambitions that I had to climb. And, you know, and, and having wonder made me feel so validated. And I was like, okay, there's no more turning back. Like you, you, you've committed to it. Like you can't back out now. There's no point. Like it's, 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 a, it's an important cultural program. Um, you know, 
money has been poured into this, you know, like give it all you got, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, and that's sort of what I did, you know, and I, and I found that it was extremely important to me because I think everyone at the Wheeler Center was really rooting for everyone and they really wanted everyone to succeed. And, and you know, and it's, that's why the mentorship was so crucial. And, you know, the great thing is like, you know, there's mentorships, you know, mm-hmm. you, 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 you might have somebody that you talk to regularly, but this was contract, contract, like, you know, I had a contract with family, <laughs> you know, we signed it. I said, this is what I want out of this mentorship. And he said, this is what I'm going to give you out of the mentorship. And yeah. we wrote it down and you signed it. And I was like, you know, I got a contract with the guy. He can't bail out. He's getting paid. <laughs> and um, I think that was really, you know, that, that, you know, that is a, you know, having that level of professionalism just makes it even, even yeah. more real and, you know and like i said I, I couldn't back up that's the reason why i went you know what i'm gonna go and i'm gonna yeah. book a one-way ticket go to sarajevo and it's cheap to live here and i'm just gonna find myself a small apartment and i'm just not gonna leave yeah, yeah. that's great i want to i want to chat more about that First, firstly just about namely were there, were there times where he he kicked your ass what was it what was the dynamic there Oh, we had a really, you know, we were really professional. There was really no fucking around, really. Like, I think we kind of made a plan before I left for Sarajevo, you know, went out and said, you know, how about, you know, I write the stories in batches. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was like, I'll write a batch. I'll send it to you. Um, and he basically reviewed the stories and would give me kind of line-by-line feedback um, and then like a global summary. And then we'd get on a phone call. And we talk about it for about two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of work through every story. And and that's what I did. I took down notes on every single story. But I didn't edit right away. I just kept writing. Yeah. Because I thought if I start editing the stories now, wow, I'm gonna I'm just not gonna be able to write that many. Yeah. Um so I kind of just wrote down all the feedback, like every single thing that he said. Um, and then I just kind of had these like almost like notes from Namling on my wall. Yeah. And it was all of these things that he taught me of what to do with fiction. So I used that almost as like an anchor for the next story. So I was like, okay, I know what he wants me to do with this one. It's too long. It's there's too much editorializing, you know, like it doesn't, you know, it's not ambiguous enough. I'm not rendering action like the right way. So all of these things I kind of used in the stories that I was writing next. Yeah. And then the stories just got better and better and better. Um, and then basically just before I kind of wrapped up the manuscript, I had one session with him where we basically edited one of the stories down to its best, best, um, the best way possible. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, pick a story, we're going to edit the shit out of it, and that's going to be the template for every other story. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. Brilliant. It's a triumph getting published full stop but to get a short story collection published is really something else like i was speaking to alex miller who you know who who lives here and you know he's won the commonwealth prize he's won the miles franklin twice and he said that even he couldn't get a short story collection published so how did you pitch it well you know what were the publishers very receptive towards it it's funny you say that. I, um, you know, at the end of the next chapter, you basically have like a, a showcase with publishers. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and all these publishers were coming in and, you know, talking, you ask them questions, you know. Um, and I can't remember who asked the question in, in our group. And they're like, you know, how, how do you, you know, how do you find short stories? Yeah. And I think it was Martin from the firm press who said, ah, you can't sell short stories. You can't really? sell short stories unless you never leave. That's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> and then everybody started laughing. <laughs> and then we're like, well, Ennis, like, Namely was Ennis' mentor, so he yeah. should be able to publish us. Yeah. Um, but no, it is, it is, you know, it's kind of like, it's this thing in the publishing industry that I keep hearing about. It's like, it's notoriously hard to sell. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's not a big audience for it. Yeah, and it's true. It's, it's very, very true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, um, I think, I think I was, you know, it's part luck, part, you know, what I was trying to do with advertising, I really wanted to kind of have a short story collection that had a global outlook and perspective, mm-hmm. you know, like craving is international, like, you know, and, and it was kind of my way of, of like, it's how I see the world mm-hmm. through the lens of advertising, consumerism, technology, and, and kind of trend culture, you know? Mm. So I kind of like, I figured out a voice and I was like, okay, this is how I see the world, but it's also how I feel about the world. And then it's kind of like, it, it, advertising is a thematic short story collection. It's, mm-hmm. you know, everything's tied around this concept of, of um, how, how and what we consume mm-hmm. in a way. It's also about the people who are the engines of capitalism and propaganda, which is the people who work in advertising. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, you know, and a lot of books that are, you know, that I fundamentally come from this world usually have very cliche characters. Like it's always like, you know, any of the books where like there's an advertising executive, like, you know, books that were published in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. Like if it's some guy from advertising, he's a creative director who's got a coke problem, um, you know, it's all the, the tropes and cliches. And I was like, I, can't, I don't want to write. This is boring. Yeah. Um, and I kind of wanted to just like, like I said, like, like exaggerate reality just a slight bit, yeah. you know, just to get to the absurd. And, and that's kind of what I did. I took, you know, things like things that I experienced, things I heard about, things I invented in my own head. And I just tweaked them a little bit just to kind of give people this taste of, of what, what it's like to be in this industry, but also what it's like to be a consumer of, of products, of services. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think that's what appealed to the publishers that I pitched the book to. It's, it's um, like, you know, I, I really do th- see it as a, it's a different kettle of fish in the short story realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was, I was really lucky that, you know, Justin Ratcliffe, who's the publishing director of Penguin Random House in Australia, that he, he really loved it. He, he loved the voice, that it was funny, that it was interesting. Um, and he really pushed for it. And, yeah, it's going to be published in in a month. Yeah, scary. That's fantastic. Yeah, and you you haven't just randomly picked advertising to write about. You're a, you're an admin with several years of experience, aren't you? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I you know I I studied marketing. Yeah, and I studied creative writing. Like. It's, I literally, I'm doing what I studied. It's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) Very few Um, people do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I, you know, I I got into advertising, you know, when I was like 22, 23, I started like a really small agency and 
And I've always just been really obsessed with the industry. I just think it's so existential. Like it's like, you know, the the prospect of branding something is like is literally the development of a, of an entity. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have to give it purpose. You have to give it values. Like you know, you have to think about how it behaves. It's it's a de- it's development. Like you're literally creating an entity. Yeah. And then you kind of have to, and you know, and everybody wants to humanize brands. Wants to make them feel like. They're, they're like they feel real, but they're not. They're yeah. just logos and combinations of experiences. So I've always just been really like philosophically really fascinated by this by this prospect, you know. Like, and a lot of the times when I've been working, you know, I've worked on on advertising campaigns for like car companies, and you know, I've written TVCs, and you know, I've done a lot of branding, like you know, yeah. branding corporate com- companies and little small startups and. Uh, it, it just I always just get baffled by the prospect of it, you know, and I love it. It's just it's a really fun industry to be in. Yeah. But, you know, it's something that you can't take too seriously because <laughs> um, you can get really warped up in it. And, you know, it's the reason why I don't work in it full time anymore. I've made a commitment to just back out so I can focus on literature. It seems a real surreal and weird industry as well going by some of the tales that you tell here have you had much feedback from people within the industry about your book i think i will yeah. probably in a month yep be- uh, i mean you know it's also like you know the the um the advanced reading copies have been sent out so um there's been some feedback from not directly from you know, some of the industry people who received it. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to to, to what they think. But mm-hmm. also, like, you know, I think... Um, well, it's, very ba- it's very balanced. Really... Yeah, it is balanced. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. it's balanced. not overly... I mean, it's negative in parts, but it, it's not too celebratory either. You know, it, it's... No, it's not. It's a weird, twisted kind of take on it, which, uh, yeah... I don't know. I think it works. Yeah. And what about, I mean, can you see yourself revisiting this world or are you, are you thinking that's it? You, you're done in terms of these stories? No. Um, I think advertising as a concept is done, but mm-hmm. um, the way I write is not especially short stories. I'm I'm obsessed with the short story. I, I think yeah. Um, not even the short story. I don't like that term. That that term is very much like anchored around the way Hemingway wrote stories. Yeah. Like the idea of the classical short story. I'm thinking more stories like the world of Lydia Davis. Um, you know, um, and that, that was a massive influence for me. Mm. And and I love telling stories in in, in very abstract ways uh, without. The formula of a short story, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, there we heard part one of my chat with Ennis Church discussing his new collection, Sadvertising, out now via Penguin. And you can hear the rest of that interview next week. I'm across all the socials under the name Paul J. Laverty for more information about the show. And until next time, keep reading. <laughs>